What's going on guys? Uh, we just dropped RTP install for April, which is 66 and 67. Uh, that's our week counter. So all of our RTP premium members, you guys go check that out in its totality. Uh, all of you standard free members can go check it out. We got a, uh, several clips of it up that you guys can see as well, all on our website, runthepower.com. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by Team Builder. Team Builder provides strength and conditioning software to athletic programs around the country. Whether you write your own programs, have a full-time strength coach, or need training programs, Team Builder can make your program more efficient, more accountable, and smarter when it comes to measuring your team's effort in the weight room. Right now, Team Builder is offering a free 10-week spread offense tempo training program when you start a 14-day free trial at teambuilder.com. That's team, B-U-I-L-D-R.com. Make sure you guys put in the code RTP. This episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Sports Performance Tracking, or SPT. Sports Performance Tracking is a wearable GPS device that athletes can actually wear during football games. GPS analytics has been used at the pro level, but never filtered its way all the way down to college and high school until now. With GPS tracking, coaches can measure workload of a player to ensure that they aren't overworking or underworking. SPT is used by almost 25,000 athletes around the globe, from professional football clubs in Europe to high schools in Texas. SPT allows coaches to understand their players' fitness levels and compare to other players. One coach for the University of Louisiana Monroe said, there's no more hiding behind effort. Get the best out of your players and keep them injury-free with SPT. Go to sptgps.com for more information. This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our newest sponsor, Just Play. Whether you're a coach looking for a personal playbook tool or you're on a staff at a program looking to improve your team's preparation, Just Play has a solution for you. They have recently released a new product called My Just Play. My Just Play is a personal playbook tool for coaches at all levels, from Pop Warner, Pee Wee, all the way to the NFL. Create and organize your playbook with terminology, diagrams, video, and assignments, all starting at just $10 a month. Learn more at myjustplay.com. Again, that's myjustplay.com. On this episode of RTP, we talk with Ryan Partridge. Coach Partridge is the head coach and athletic director of the 2018 California State Champion, Liberty Lions. Listen as we talk with Coach Partridge about his coaching journey all the way up to the state championship this season how the R4 system has transformed their offense and passing game, and some of the things he has implemented to take their program to the next level. You can follow Coach Partridge on Twitter, at Coach Part. Hope you guys enjoy. Uh, Ryan Partridge, head coach of Liberty High School in Brentwood, California. Um, I'm from the Bay Area, California originally. Uh, grew up in Pleasanton, where I played my youth ball there. And then went to Amador Valley High School, played there. And then played multiple positions, defense and offense. Receiver, tight end, running back, a little bit of quarterback, safety, linebacker. Um, then went on to junior college. You know, I was one of those... Uh, receivers that you know just couldn't get a look out of high school so I went to junior college and I had a my, my college is very geographical um, after one year of junior college I had a pretty good season and decided to do a preferred walk-on to University of Kentucky 
Hmm. And with a, with hopes to to earn a scholarship there, and that was right at the time when Rich Brooks took the job, and uh, I think Guy Morris was there before that, and um, they had some sanctions on him, dropped a bunch of scholarships. So in the middle of camp, um, I decided to go back to my junior college where I finished up that year uh, playing receiver, and then earned a scholarship to Northern Arizona and uh, finished my football career there. After that, I went and said, okay, I'm going to go play baseball again now. So I went back to junior college, played a year of junior college baseball, and then uh, got in the working world, uh, finished my degree. I was doing medical sales for a few years and then said, what am I doing with my life? I got to go do something I love. <laughs> and uh, so I started coaching high school football, and I started as an assistant at Doherty Valley High School in San Ramon. And then um, got the head job at Livermore High School. And I was there for one year. We, were, we had a pretty successful year. Um, and then got the job at Liberty High School in Brentwood, which is where I was living. Uh, the job opened up and took the job here. And I've been here two years. And the kids have been awesome. My coaches have been awesome. And the, in, the, in the first year, uh, we won our first championship in the 115-year history of the program. Jeez. And then, um, and that was a section championship. California's weird. Um, so we won the section, but didn't get a bid to the state, uh, uh, NorCal game. So we just, we ended section, uh, NCS division one section champions. We took it, you know, showed growth of the program. And then this year we set our goals for the state championship and, uh, we are the state champions this year. So it was wow. great. Wow. Yeah, that is. Well, that year, I'd say you guys – did you guys pull a UCF and say, well, we were we were good, we won championship, we didn't get to go on, so we're the yeah, champions. I think that's yeah, what – It was funny because it was kind of around the same time that happened, so <laughs> we, we were joking about it. <laughs> Make everyone a ring. Totally. Well, Coach, talk a little bit about, you know, so you've been there two years. I mean, how, how did it kind of happen so fast? I mean, it, did you really have to go in and do a turnaround type deal? Did you inherit, you know, some, some pretty good uh, foundation as far as the pro program was concerned? You know, talk a little bit about kind of, you know, taking it to that next level. Yeah, so the, the, the coach before me did a really good job. Um, you know, he won the first playoff game in school history here. And wow. kind of got – yeah, so kind of got um, – you know, some interest going in the community. And I, and I knew coming in here, we had some good talent. And um, so I got here, the talent was here that, you know, he, he, he built a pretty good culture here. Um, you know, obviously we're two different people. He's actually a buddy of mine. Um, we're two different people. And I, I, I definitely, you know, took it a little bit of a different direction, but um, you know, the, the pieces we're here to work with. And I think that's obviously the, the case why we, we, we can win so fast. And, you know, the, the real big thing is I retained quite a bit of coaches that he had that I knew. And, you know, they, they've been absolutely awesome. They're, they're, they're sunk into the community. Um, and that helped me as a tra being a transplant to the area. We're, we were kind of in the same boat with you, Coach. It was um, this year was the first time we'd ever won a state championship as well in, in 115 years. Uh, so yeah, kind of on that same, uh, that same track as, as you are. And, and it was – I'll tell you, one of the coolest thing was – was just how, like you had kind of talked about the community, just how excited all of those people in the community were because, uh, you know, we've got some 
75, 80-year-old fans that have, have never seen our school win a state championship and, and it's probably all they've wanted to see for the last, you know, 15, 20 years. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And I mean, you know, Brentwood, this is, you know, we call it, we jokingly call it corn country because, well, it is corn country. There's a lot of corn that's, that's uh, grown in the area. And, you know, so we dubbed it corn country going through the playoffs and it kind of caught fire, which is pretty funny, but, you know, you know, all the old farmers and all the, 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 uh, the alumni, I mean, this community was, it was set on fire, man. And it was really, really cool to see. And after going through that and going through the playoff run and, um, seeing corn country travel to the state championship, I'd put it, you know, they talk about California football, how it's nothing like Texas football or whatever, but, you know, I'd put this community up against any of them. That's super cool, coach. I mean, I think it's, you know, it's a testament to, you know, what you guys have done and get that community rolling. But, you know, I, I just think that so many kids and in, in up here or wherever it might be, but in, in Iowa, you know, so, some kids for whatever reason, don't, I don't think it's to kind of have that traditional high school experience. You know, we're, we're seeing more kids take these college classes and, and kids are kind of going back and forth between campuses and things like that. To me, it's cool to hear those stories about, you know, one community, one school, and, and everybody gathering behind it and, and seeing that type of success for those kids. What a cool experience. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's what it, you know, looking back to, it's like that's, we've provided these kids with memories that, you know, obviously the coaches too, but th these kids are going to leave with memories that are going to absolutely last a lifetime. And I think, you know, looking back, that's just kind of the, that's the coolest thing. They have this connection for the rest of their life where, they're probably not going to get anywhere else. You know, we can, you know, we together, we got this championship and no one's ever going to be able to take it away. Yeah. That's the coolest part. And that's what you hear from all the, all the people that um, have won a bunch of state championships, you know, as, as soon as we won, uh, I start getting all these, not all these, but I start getting some cliches, some different things from guys that have won a bunch. And, and that's one of the big ones that I hear from the guys that have won a state championship and, and maybe it hasn't been for a while. I think that was one, you know, my dad won one a long, you know, uh, whatever, 10 years ago, uh, 15 years ago. And, and that was the first thing he said to me. He said, you know, the coolest part about the state championship is no matter what happens in the next 20, 30 years with you, no one's ever going to be able to take this state championship away from you. You'll always be that a champion of, of 2018. No doubt about it. Coach, what would you kind of say, you know, would be your guys' kind of calling card or, you know, you as a coach, what, what's kind of the stamp you've tried to put on the program? You know, are you more of a defensive guy, special teams? You know, what have you done offensively? What are some things that you've kind of tried to do out there to make your guys state champions? Yeah, I mean, one, we want to, we want to, you know, make it a fun environment to be around. Um, and, you know, I, I asked the kids, how do you spell fun? And they know it's W-I-N. And, so you know, we're going to set a, a winning championship culture where, you know, we're going to compete in everything we do. Um, I, I generally say that, you know, I'm an offensive-minded guy. My mind just works that way. But I'm also a, you know, a stickler and a freak about, you know, tackling circuits, special team circuits, and, and teaching those techniques early and often. Um, I let my, my defensive coordinator pretty much have full go. His name is Brian real. He's a heck of a coach. Um, you know, and he, he likes to, and I don't know, every, every DC that I've ever got, um, you know, I've only been a head coach at two different schools, but they've both been attacking, blitzing, um, a lot of cover one 
um, types of defenses. And, you know, I don't know if it's, you know, deep down inside me, I just picked these guys that, you know, that to do that. But, you know, Brian, he, he does, he does a heck of a job scheming and a lot of cover one, a lot of blitzes and then, you know, trap cover two, Don Brown type stuff. And then on offense, we, we keep it multiple. Um, I'd say we're probably like 40% 21 personnel, 40% 10 personnel, and then some 11 and 20 personnel mixed in there. Um, you know, we run gap schemes, power counter, outside zone, inside zone, ISO. And then uh, we just like to attack the, you know, open areas and space in the passing game. Um, I'm an R4 guy. Um, learned uh, fr from Will Hewlett, who's been on the show before, I believe. Uh, he introduced me to Dub Maddox. And um, I really believe that the, the R4 system and uh, the obsession that I got behind it and how much sense it made to me, um, you know, it forecasted my, my career almost like five years ahead. Like I was, I just felt like I learned so much football and it stuff clicked um, in a short period of time. Coach, that's music to my ears, man. I was the, the same way. And, and Will Hewlett was actually the guy that recommended us to talk to you. He said, Hey, he's, a, he's an awesome guy. And, you know, just won a state championship. And he said, he's, he's got some really cool stories. Um, but at the same time, you know, talking R4, when I first met Dub in 2010, it was kind of the same deal, you know, going into it, never heard of it really. And then uh, it completely flipped the script for me to it as to how I was starting to teach things. It's like you said, it, it, that year I wasn't working because I'd, I'd kind of made enough money, you know, doing some training and some private business stuff. So literally Dub and I worked the entire year, you know, kind of putting together an offense in 2010 and then learning R4 and so when you said accelerate your, your football knowledge in, in for five years or so, that's exactly how I felt in 2010. Yeah. I mean, it just, it completely, and that's, that's awesome to hear. And that's, I wish I was there. <laughs> I mean, it was, it, it was pretty sweet. <laughs> just the, 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 how I see the field and, and how I taught things and, and how I can, you know, look at film now and, just, just everything about it has, uh, you know, definitely progressed my career. Coach, you said, you know, roughly 40% 21 personnel this year. Um, is that something that you see very much in that league or is that, uh, are you guys one of the, one of the few that is, is getting into 21 personnel uh, at, a, at a fairly awesome clip? Um, there's a couple of teams that do it. Um, for some reason this year, we saw a bunch of like double wing, wing T, old school type offenses. Huh. Um, it wasn't like your typical, you know, you think of California, everyone's wide open, you know, everyone's five wide and ripping the ball around. Uh, we, you know, we saw some pretty old school offenses this year. I just like, you know, 21 personnel to, you know, kind of makes the decision it makes the defense make a decision, you know, with the amount of guys in the box. And we had some guys that can run out in space and a really good quarterback. So it's not like we only ran the ball in 21 personnel. We definitely had a passing game behind it. Um, and I just like to change it up and kind of, you know, usually in the beginning of every game, you know, we're testing out personnel and, and um, you know, just kind of seeing the best look that we can get, what we like, and then we want to attack space after that. 
Were you guys an under center, 21 personnel team, or you guys still operate out of the gun, or how did you guys kind of operate in 21? Uh, we went under We went under probably 10% of that 40%. Um, and then we, we were usually uh, – most of the time we were gun. Okay. Hmm. Well, th- that's what I was going to say about at least if you've got 21 in there at a good percentage, the reason that I like that so much and, and not being married to 21, but at least having it is that you can, like you said, you can try out some different uh, personnel, different formations, and see what's going to give uh, that defense, you know, some trouble. Where, you know, I see so many teams pigeonhole themselves with 11 or, or even 20, and, and that's about all they run is 11, 20, or, or 10. And, and you're really not putting a whole lot of pressure on defense on defenses as far as um, getting them lined up, getting into different formations and, and seeing how they're going to adjust. You know, it's, it's a little bit simpler, I think, on a defense, especially during the week. And then, um, you know, if, if you get the guys to do it and you got a great scheme, it still works. But um, it, to me, the fun part is throwing out different formations and, and having a good idea going into the game and, and being able to give them a bunch of looks, see how they're going to line up. Right. Yeah. That's, uh, it's definitely fun to do. It makes it interesting. It, um, not definitely next year. I want to just keep progressing the offense and even add more, you know, keep in these same types of personnel, but, you know, just add a little more flash to the, the, the type of formations and stuff just to make it a little more difficult on them. Just build off what we've built. Coach, I know being an, an R4 guy, I would, I would imagine, you know, simplicity becomes very, very key. You know, how many, I know you, you said, you know, five different run schemes that you guys carry. When you're installing your, your drop back passing game, you know, talk, to, talk a little bit about your install. You know, how many different pass plays do you, do you tend to carry or install, you know, early in the season or on a weekly basis? Yeah, so just you made me think of just spring ball. First thing you said is, you know, um, how you install. And in spring ball, you know, we kind of – we take away the, the, the drawback in this is, you know, we get a little bit away from technique, but my thing is I want to get the plays in the kid's mind, keep them busy. And um, we're going to attack technique later. But so in a spring ball practice, we'll go um, usually like a, a 21 personnel run, a 10 personnel run, um, a 21 personnel play action a 10 personnel quick game and a 10 personnel intermediate concept. And we'll install all those in a day. And how we do it is we go um, eight minutes individuals, we're installing that play. And then seven minutes, we go four huddles and we just go rapid fire, we run that play. So it's a really fast paced practice. So we'll go, all right, we're running, we're running a, we're running power. So boom, they go to individuals and we teach power to everyone individually. And after eight minutes, blow the whistle, we run, they get in their four huddles and we just bang, bang, bang and run one power, run power, run power, run power, run power, run power for seven minutes straight. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's how we kind of install uh, the, the, the base offense. Um, now with route concepts and stuff for us, it, it, it really has become week by week and you know we have our base um we have our base you know four verts we have um our boundary flood that we use a lot uh we got our regular flood um but the count the the concepts really become infinite weekly and we'll add things that 
that we like. And, and, you know, we were blessed with a really good quarterback with a line that can protect and great line coaches that, that teach it well. And really our quarterbacks and receivers work a lot in the off season on their own. And, you know, our quarterback understands foot placement and hip placement in, in the direction that the kids are going to go. And so we give a lot of freedom to our receivers on, you know, adjusting routes and running to, to open space. And then also, you know, like week by week, we're, we're installing a new, you know, a new concept um, that, you know, a lot of times we'll, we'll have our, our players name so they remember it. So, um, you know, the passing game really is infinite. We've, we've run so much um, different types of things and we just kind of have our, our base things that, that we, that we stick to. And we, we do go back to them quite a bit, but um, it, it does make it fun and weekly, you know, it, it, it also makes it fun because we add new stuff. Well, that was that was always the the intriguing part to me, at least as as far as Brady explained it to me, because um, I, I'm not necessarily in the R four system, but I've I've got little bits and pieces of it. But the the intriguing part to me was um, having the ability to run, you know, multiple different uh, pass concepts, but maybe not necessarily uh, carrying them very heavily into each every single one of them into each week. You know, having having your, your play that's going to uh, put this guy in conflict and then having another play that's going to put this guy in conflict. There may not be a reason to, you know, carry five different uh, concepts. It's going to put that all of their five goals is to just put one that same guy uh, in conflict. Why not carry one or two that puts that guy in a conflict and then, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, next week, you want to put that same person in conflict now you can come out with a with a different uh you know concept that you guys have been working yeah absolutely and um we're definitely going to attack you know the personnel and and put a guy in conflict but really we 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 started with you know identifying open space and so we just want to we don't if i talk to a kid about you know putting a guy in conflict in my opinion that kid's going to stare at that kid you know and I want my kids to to identify open space and get to that open space. So um, it's just interesting how I look at things now, and you know how you know the, you know Dub talks about the negative space, and you know in advertising all the the ads and logos that have negative space and things that you see now. I just look at you know life differently, um, as long as the as well as the football field. But yeah, it's like, yeah, we'll usually, you know, we're not going to go in with a hundred different concepts into a week. It's like you said, you know, five concepts that week. Let's get good at them and practice this week. You've all run these routes before. Let's just put them together a little differently. Yeah, that's kind of like the, what you're saying, you know, in the off season, just, just teaching. I like to go, you know, kind of putting the, the pieces together for the whole, you know, everybody learns you know, every single route within whatever concept it is we're running. So teaching those things in the off season. So everyone knows the route, everyone knows the timing of it. Everyone knows is a rhythm read rush route, you know, quarterback can, can signal it, all those things. And then, like you said, being able to, to, to match those things up, Hey, it's, it's boundary flood, but we're going to run it out of two by two this time. So the guy's going to run a say, you know, okay, it's boundary flood, but now it's in three by one. How are you going to get there? You got to run an over route. So I think, like you're saying, being able to to attack the, that space, you know, and just like Harper's saying, I don't need five ways to run smash. You know, I need I need one way to be able to run that that concept. You know, I need one way that we're going to run three verticals. You know, what's going to be the way we run four verticals if they decide to play a lot of one high? I just think 
there, there's so many cool things you can do with R4 and you're not just married to your game plan. There's so many times where I've, I've gone into a game and it's been an in-game adjustment where you can make a tag or you can make a route adjustment or you can make a formation adjustment because the kids understand that full concept and they've run that route and they understand the timing before. It's not something new. You know, where a lot of coaches would be like, oh my God, you're installing stuff. No, I'm not installing it. I'm adjusting. No doubt. And, and one of the, as an offensive line coach and, and uh, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I, I don't think I am, but with, with the rush, you know, the rush part of it, uh, to me, the coolest part of that is, is how well those quarterbacks know what their protection is because they've got to know their protection uh, to know who their, their rush guy is. And, and again, that might be a little bit off, uh, but, but just kind of how it was explained to me. Um, and it seems like a lot of those quarterbacks, whether that's the case or not, it seems like those guys do a great job of knowing where they're getting protection and where they're not. Yeah, absolutely. We, we, we do keep it pretty simple, um, you know, for the, for the protections and we, we do, you know, we'll have probably two or three protections a week. And I mean, it depends what we're doing, but you know, our, our, our base, our base protections, uh, you know, three man slide backsides, man on man. Um, and you know, our quarterback knows that one really well. Our quarterback does call the protection when he steps up there. So, so, so he knows, you know, what's going on, where, where people are coming from, but you know, that rush route, you know, you got to ingrain it into that quarterback. You know, a lot of times we have two, and two different rush routes and it's just extremely valuable to you know know where those are and you got to drill it and just and, and get the ball out of his hands and, it, and it's you know it's same thing with the rhythm route you know it gets out of there so quick even if they're I mean we, there's plenty of times where they send six and we're protecting with five and we still hit the rhythm route because it's route side space is open he rips it in less than 1.8 seconds so uh, you know, that's why the, the, the rhythm is valuable as well. Coach, do you find, too, that, you know, you talked about your defense being attacking and, and blitzing a lot. Do you think that helps you guys a lot as well because you're seeing so much of that in the spring and, and those guys, you know, get really, really used to seeing rush, seeing blitz, and your offensive line gets used to picking up a lot of those things? Oh, totally. I mean, it's kind of come to the point in the beginning of summer and spring that I'm like, dude, go to base and just hit in your cover two, please. Because, you know, it's like, it, it, it puts us, you know, we can't even run a damn play early. <laughs> That's right. So, um, but yeah, it ingrains, it ingrains in the quarterback and the receivers. And the great thing about R4 from the receiver standpoint too, is that these kids are running hard on every route because they always know they're an option. You know, if yes. you're the rhythm route, you're the first read, bro. If you're the if if you're the read route, you're always the second read. You know, you it's you in 2.2 seconds you're gonna be getting that ball. And then the rush route, they always know that if they're hot, they're hot. And so um, it just puts a it puts a um, just a notice on each guy that you know I can get the ball at any time, and I need to run hard. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, coaching receivers, it's, it's the same kind of deal. You know, you tell, telling some of those guys, like, hey, you know, they've done a pretty good job on film taking away, you know, the seam ball, but the one time that they don't, or maybe you're a, a tempo offense and they don't get lined up correctly, you know, we're going to take advantage of that misalignment and we're going to hit a big play. You know, that's another reason I've loved that system so much is because, you know, the, the old school 
West Coast offense of, you know, the alert, you know, hey, the pre-snap alert. Well, defenses move, you know, and, and, and the guys can lie. Like you said, when you're, when you're looking at keys and guys, they can lie to you a little bit. So having some of those built-in explosives when a team, you know, doesn't get lined up correctly and when we can't miss those, those are, are huge momentum and game-changing plays. Yeah, I mean, that, that just reminded me of, you know, we played De La Salle this year, and, and they haven't lost to Northern California in 27 years. And, you know, when you're, you know, you're facing adversity for the first time all season, and, you know, we're, we're playing De La Salle, and they got a, a heck of a team, and quarterback comes over. We're just running a simple, what we call Florida, it's just a go on the outside and a quick out in the from the slot. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, I do not know why. I mean, I knew they were in cover too, but I told the quarterback, I said, Jay, watch the corner and hit the whole shot if he jumps the out, or if he goes with the go route, hit the quick out. What's he do? He watches the corner. We never do that. Just rhythm the go, right? And he watches the corner. The corner baits him. He throws the whole shot and he picks it off. And I'm like, that is exactly why we – like, what am I doing as a coach right now? You know, it's like yeah. I face adversity, the quarterback faces adversity, and we're, you got to just – you got to stick to what you do, you know, week by week and teach every single day. And, and you know, it's just another reason why, why we do R4 is, you know, like you just said, guys can bait you. Guys don't do what they're supposed to do, yeah. and uh, it can kill you. Yeah, I, uh, I I coached offensive line for a little while at Tulsa, you know, and, and I was always, you know, taught kind of the, the three rules of pass protection, you know, you know, set, punch, and then, you know, finish, set, punch, and finish. And and then when I when I kind of thought I'd learned those things, Denver Johnson, the guy I'm working for, is like, well, coach, you're forgetting two, two steps in there. And I'm like, well, what are they? And he's like, well, okay, let's say, uh, uh, you know, the tackle sets. What happens if the defensive end just falls on the ground? you going to go up and punch him? <laughs> and I'm like, oh. I'm like, Oh my God, I never even thought of that. So he's like, it's set react, you know, set. And then I'm going to react to what the defense does. And if he does get in my space, I'll punch him. If he, you know, drops or falls down or he twists, I don't have to punch. So, I mean, I, I it was kind of the same thing. It's like, wow, you know, there, there's always a little bit better way to think about some of those things. And, and, it, and honestly, for me, it was, it was pretty life-changing. And I kind of liken that back to, to R4, the same, the same type deal. Hey, man, guys are going to lie to you, especially high school guys. You, you don't know what the hell they're going to do. <laughs> you know, you can't trust any of that stuff. And then your quarterback, even more. You know, you don't know what the hell your quarterback's going to do. You got to give him a system that, that makes it much, much clearer, much, much easier, I think. Right. That, that just reminds me of, you know, from the receiver point of view, too, it's, you know, running to open space and react to it, you know, obviously without running into another route, but, you know, if a guy's there, don't run into him, you know, run to the open space and make a play. And, and, and we, we allow our receivers to do that a lot. Coach, how much of that is, is practiced in season uh, as far as with some good on good stuff? Because that's, that's always my big, uh, I don't want to say question, but it's always where I'm, I'm kind of, you know, towing that line with, to me, you got to get better, and the best way to get better is to go some good on good, uh, but you also want to stay healthy because uh, when you play these big, important games, uh, you obviously don't want anyone hurt from practice. So how much uh, good on good do you guys get to work uh, throughout the season? We'll go um, 
Mondays is usually like a walk through install day. Um, Tuesdays we're we're more of a you know we have guys a lot of guys that go both ways. Um, so Tuesdays we're gonna do more of an offensive day and we'll thud, um, which I don't love. I'm still trying to figure out you know the best way to do it, but we rarely go all the way to the ground. You know we'll go to the ground. You know if we need to spark the kids or someone's loafing just to to get a defensive day going, but um, you know, I understand. I can feel for these kids. I don't know it's like I'm getting older and my body's starting to hurt. So I feel like I'm kind of getting soft on them or something, but <laughs> uh, it's, uh, you know, we, we try to, we try to keep them fresh and just keep that balance. Thud and sometimes, you know, five, 10 minutes a day, go live to the ground, but, um, there's no magic to it. There's no, I don't know if there's a right answer. I don't have a philosophy behind me. That's like, we're, you know, we, we're not gonna, you know, we're going to be in, in shells at all times. You know, we go every single day of the whole entire season. We are in full gear. Mm. Um, and I do that so it's easy for high school kids. There's no questions. Agreed. You know, our, they, half the time <laughs> it's like, oh, I thought, we were, I thought we were in shells today. I thought we were in helmets today. Well, no. We're, <laughs> we, always, we always get dressed every single day. Exactly. <laughs> so. And it, and it can change the mentality so much. I mean, I've seen us want to have a great practice and take the shoulder pads off, and, and it completely changes how the kids act, even, even through warm-ups, which is just such a weird deal when it's almost like, hey, if you just keep the shoulder pads on, it's not like it's going to zap them that much more. And, and I liked uh, kind of a point you went to kind of jokingly, but you're saying, you know, as, as I get older – my body starts to get sore and things, and, and am I getting a little soft on them? I've kind of always thought that a little bit offhandedly, just that like all these coaches that have gone through great college programs and some of them even the NFL, and they know you got to rest kids, and then it's like, man, I, it's, hard to, it's hard to remember back, but when I was in high school, it was like I was never sore. I, I mean, maybe after a practice I was sore, but, um, you know, it, it seems like it's much warming up and different things that we do and – Make sure you're eating this stuff. I remember playing, and, and not that this was the best thing, but was eating McDonald's before games and didn't want to warm up and, and was always fine. And it's just like sometimes uh, sometimes maybe we go a little too overboard with it. But um, uh, I say that, and, and we had some pretty healthy kids going through all the stuff we went through this year. But um, it, it was just funny that you said that. Yeah, I remember being – I remember, like, clowned down. I don't know if you guys have jack-in-a-box out there, but they've got these tacos. Oh, yeah. and I in high school jack in a box tacos like 10 minutes before practice and then just like leaning over to touch my toes and just heartburn galore i'm like oh my god what did i do <laughs> <laughs> we had the the coaching staff uh i'll tell a, i'll tell a walls and clink story harper but we used to eat at uh wendy's before the game on fridays and i remember you know they have the the baconator so he, we go there for the first time, and, and he doesn't eat a, a lot of fast food. So when we, if we first get there, he's like, man, I think I'm going to get one of those son, son of Baconators. And I'm like, oh, my God. Like, if you're going to get a son of Baconator, <laughs> that. we're just going to leave right now. I'm like, I kind of, like, walked away. Like, I don't even want to be seen with you if you're going to eat son of Baconator. So I, I guilt him into buying the Baconator, and uh, he gets back to the office, and, and he pukes because he never <laughs> – Baconator before and a drink and fries. He's like, I love it. 
calls. You make me feel all bad before the game. But he's like, you guilted me into it. I'm the D coordinator. I got to eat a Baconator, you know. <laughs> but after that, it became a ritual. He kind of got indoctrinated. He got used to, to Baconator, all that power. Now you need a trick play called the Baconator. <laughs> That's and exactly right. And it's got to be in a heavy personnel. It's got to yeah. be like 23 personnel and hand it off to the lineman or something. It's like that old like basketball player the the guy's on all fours like barking but he you got a guy on all fours like <laughs> gagging thrown up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to start drawing that one up. <laughs> Coach uh speaking of that how often do you do you go to some of the the trick play stuff cuz I know you know there some years I'm like I don't want to call a trick play because you know we're pretty good on offense and I don't want to mess it up and then there's other years I'm like oh these guys can handle it. But, you know, anytime you call a trick play, it works because the kids wouldn't freak out about it. You know, what, what's kind of your, your theory and your thoughts on that? You know, going in, like, when I always wanted to call my own offense and I wasn't yet, you know, I had all these crazy things drawn up and um, I thought I'd do a lot more. And just because it's fun and the kids like it and stuff. But I don't know what it is, whether it's, you know, the stress of being a head coach and the coordinator, if you just kind of locked into your game plan, but we, we really didn't get it, get to it that much this year. Um, you know, we had a, we had a, we had a fake punt and a, uh, a toss pass this year that, that were successful. Actually, we dropped the toss pass, but it should have been successful. Um, and that was all in the same game. And I don't know if it was just the confidence going into the game that, you know, we wanted to have a little fun. You know, we, we handled the team, but we didn't do it much this year. Um, we played pretty much straight up. And, uh, you know, looking back, I wish we added a few more just to keep people honest and keep them thinking about it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I love trick plays. They're they're awesome, but they also take, you know, a lot of practice time up to, to perfect them. So um, kind of stayed away from them this year. but. You know, I'm not opposed to him at all. I was going to say, hard to look back and wish you'd have done more after you won a state championship. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but, but you're exactly right. Take, take some time. Uh, and the other bad thing is I've been a part of some teams where the coach is all about it, or at least when I was playing. He's like, we're going to run these trick plays, and the very first punt, we're going to fake it, and we're doing this. We work all these trick plays, and it was never called all year. And so then yep. everyone, everyone started just, you know, kind of jacking around when we were actually practicing them. But um, I know walls, we didn't run a ton when walls it was at Broken Arrow, but uh, it seemed like we always had some good ones saved up for those big games that we were going to need them. Uh, the first time we beat Jinx at Jinx, which is the first time they'd been beat, and who, who knows how many years at Jinx, uh, we had a couple of, of pretty big trick plays uh, that, that we – got to throw out with the at the first second quarter and and where they were huge for us walls yeah I think you know coach brings up a a good point I mean to me the, those trick plays it's almost something you got to practice like weekly or start off the, the year like you know okay we're going to have a couple of these and, and maybe I'm going to use them versus a, a big time opponent because you know it's going to be such a close game and and you might might not just be able to you know run run your base offense and and steal a possession here and there. But yeah, I'd, I'd actually been planning the first one we called for, for two years. You know, I, I had it, I had it in the game plan the year before and well, we got our doors blown off. So I didn't want to use it. So it really didn't matter. But then when it was a, <laughs> when it was a close game the next year, you know, I, I wanted to make sure we, we had a, an opportunity to do it, but I'm with coach, you know, it's, it's always that fine line. 
you know, how often do you want to practice it where, you know, now if you find two that, Hey, I, I really like these two, you know, let's practice the heck out of them for four or five weeks, you know, you know, two, three minutes a, a day or whatever it might be. And then you can kind of pull those things out when you need them. Yeah. Now thinking back on it, I think I was scared away from running it because, you know, we were at home against a big opponent last year and we ran like a, um, a condensed set, two by two condensed set. We ran fly sweep right, then reversed it around backwards. <laughs> and then our guy stopped and threw it back to our right tackle behind the line of scrimmage. To our right tackle, yes, you heard that right. And he broke a ta- he broke one tackle and then like got tackled for like, you know, a gain of two. And I'm like, oh my and it was third down play at home against a rival. I'm like, what am I doing? And then we lost the game. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah, that yeah. I wouldn't be calling any more trick plays either. <laughs> that would that'd just be like scarring you for life, man. Yeah, it'd be tough to come back from that. Well, that same game that we beat Jinx, we had decided very if, if we're up and we're doing good stuff, we're going to onside kick it. We're going to take them by surprise. We're going to onside kick it. Well, finally, we get some some momentum. I don't know if we were up 14 or 7. but no, it was a, it, we scored the first touchdown. It was 7-0. So, it's 7-0. We're excited. We're, we're going. Okay, we're onside kicking like we said. We onside kick, and they, t- they took it to the house. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I saw that one coming. <laughs> so it didn't work <laughs> that one didn't work out for us as well but the thing was was I mean it's still like that mentality you know like Co- coach you, you talked about mentality so much at the start of the podcast but going into that game and we, we told the kids we we're going to empty the gun and we and we didn't back down on it it's like hey we said we're going to onside kick if we go up seven nothing and we did and it didn't right. matter what happened it's like hey man we got plenty of bullets left so be it that's, that's the way we're going to play this whole game and you could just preach it to those guys right now. Hey, we knew adversity was going to hit. It just hit. What are we going to do? Boom, we went down and we scored, and that was the, actually the drive we hit the trick play. So, I mean, it, it, it brought out that response in the kids because we reacted with, with a lot of confidence to it. No doubt. Yeah, that's good. Well, Coach, I'm, I'm a little bit interested in, in uh, the thing that we kind of glossed over, but uh, going to, to your college – playing days uh, was just really interesting just hearing that. I mean, to go from JUCO and then to transfer over uh, and, and only stay for, you know, whatever, a, a few weeks, transfer back, and then as soon as you're done with, with football in general, um, then you're going back and trying baseball. What was – I don't want to say what was going through your mind because that sounds like a, a rude way to ask it, and that's not what I was trying to ask, but, but – you know, was it just a, a, a lot of confidence in what you were doing or you, or you just love sports or or what caused you or, you know, what brought you through that uh, path uh, of college? No, yeah, I, I, I definitely, you know, you say, you say I don't want to ask that rudely or whatever, but that, that's completely fine. And, I mean, the bottom line is my, you know, the, the, the focus of, you know, what – what I wanted to get done in college, you know, you know, get a degree and, and play football. It really, it really wasn't there. And whether it was, you know, I don't know if it was confidence in my ability or if it was, you know, me running from fear or whatever it was, you know, the lessons that I learned from, from going all over the country and, and all these different places, um, 
it, it, it definitely like it, it showed me life lessons and it, it, it helps me today in coaching kids and, and helping them with decisions because, you know, I'd make a decision in the snap of a finger, like I'm gone to walk on and my Juco coach is like, what are you doing? You don't go unless you have a scholarship, you know? <laughs> so, um, you know, it, I, I made plenty of bad decisions. Um, and, you know, I, like I said, I just, I, I think that really, you know, has guided, guided me to be a better coach to, to, help players make decisions, you know, build trust with them and, um, and just, you know, just, just know, just knowing that, just knowing that, um, that, you know, the decisions I made didn't hurt me in the long run. It helped me and just meeting people all over the country. I definitely think helped me, but, uh, yeah, it was an interesting run. You know, it's a story of geographics, but, um, in the end it was good. That's awesome, man. I, I love, you know, hearing some of those stories about, you know, trying the new things and, and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, but, you know, picking yourself back up and do it. The, the other thing I was going to ask, you know, is, is it's always interesting. You, you hear some of the stories about that guys that, that go get a job out in, in business. And we've had a bunch of coaches on, you know, whether they went to, to sell insurance or whether they're working as you know, lawyers or type of sales, what was it kind of like, you know, being in that environment and then, you know, what was pushing you back towards being a coach? Yeah, I just think that I, I, I wasn't having fun. Like I, I was doing a job and I wasn't having fun and I couldn't find the, the competing in the sales environment, you know, and, and you'd think I, I would be able to, but, you know, I guess I wasn't selling a, a product that I was confident in and, you know, getting back, getting into coaching, it's like, Oh hell yeah, there's sales involved. Like I gotta sell yeah. these kids on me. I've gotta sell my coaches on our program. I've gotta sell the community on on everything. And but it's a product I believe in. And um so you know, I think the the sales aspect of things def, definitely helped me. It's just it wasn't of interest to me. What you know, my, my dad and my dad and all five of his brothers played, you know. Uh, division one football and played in the NFL and they all like every single one of them got into medical sales. So I kind of just like fell into that trap. And then, you know, again, like I've said before, it's, I realized that, you know, I'm not the same person as them and I want to go help kids and I want to go do something fun. And so I just said, screw it. And I went and got my, you know, got my teaching credential and got on with a, a great coach who taught me how to develop a program and build a program, Nick Tisa. And it's, uh, it's, you know, just like, you know, the story of geographics that I just said about college, the same thing. It's, you know, I got into it a little bit later, but everything's, everything I've done has helped me in a little bit of a way to help kids and, and, and coach football. When you talk selling and, and you say everything you've done has helped you um, with football, do you think that that's helped you sell your program to your kids? Uh, I've always been curious of that. I've always, for whatever reason, seen those movies and thought being a salesman uh, would be an awesome thing to be good at, but was have always been horrible at it. Um, do you think some of that training that you went through with that helped you with, with um, you know, and selling almost, to some people it sounds bad, but to me is, is you know, showing your kids that they should believe in, in your vision and in your, you know, program before uh, you guys ever won? Yeah, I mean, I I can't say like specifically that, you know, like a tr some business training I went to has helped me, but 
I think just, you know, gaining the confidence, being in front of people and, you know, selling this medical device to this, you know, Stanford doctor that, you know, he can read right through me. Like I just have to, you know, sell it with confidence and, and get it done. I think it, it definitely helped that the, my confidence side of things and getting and speaking in front of people. Coach, I wanted to ask, you know, kind of one more thing. Uh, it's always kind of a hot button topic with, with some head coaches in some programs, but you know, what's kind of your philosophy? And I know you've, you've worked with guys like Will and Dub, but what's your philosophy in, in getting your QBs, you know, extra help or, or extra work in the, in the off season and working with some of these, these off season coaches, you know, maybe it's outside your program or maybe it's something that you're doing through your program. What's kind of your philosophy on that? Um, you just got to get, I mean, these guys just got to get out and throw with their buddies, you know, um, it's, it's me and my coaches talk about this all the time. So we'll drive by the field and, and, you know, our, our QB and our receivers are out on the field just working and we didn't ask them to work. They just did, you know? Mm-hmm. And then what we did was, um, last year we, we provided a, a seven on seven team outside of, outside of our school. We just, you know, kind of invited our kids. And we, we, we did a seven on seven thing. And it was, you know, there was, there was rough times with it going to these tournaments that, you know, are loaded with guys and there's no governing force to it and there's fights going on. So, you know, we kind of cut back on that and just would, you know, inter squad practice with certain teams that we knew guys, but that off season training and being able to call our verbiage all off season and, and work certain things that I think definitely helped us. Um, it helps that I have a really good quarterback coach who uh, played at Stanford and in the NFL, and uh, his name is Mark Butterfield, and his his son is is our is our quarterback, and he's a you know he's a top prospect, and he's kind of my right hand man on offense. He you know he helps me develop play calls each week, and um, you know just having him on staff is a, is a huge help. Yeah, if you got a guy from Stanford, you guys get to do a lot of really cool run game stuff then. <laughs> well, he, well, he's a quarterback, so you know he likes to throw the ball. Uh, but those guys are smart; they know all about the offense. Oh, I got to go to a, uh, I got to go to Rice uh, and and you know Bloomgren from Stanford and and listen to some. And, and I'm not saying it's your guys' verbiage, but I'm just saying listen to some of their verbiage. They they get really really into it at Stanford and Rice, and obviously they got some really smart smart kids, but. Um, it's really cool just to see, you know, some of the answers they have for things. And, and it all kind of comes back to their quarterback. You know, they've got – there's certain plays, which to me is almost over – it's definitely overkill for high school. But they've got a play, and then they've got an alert, and then they've got a kill off of that. And, and it's all on that quarterback. And it's pretty impressive how, how much those, uh, those quarterbacks know after they come out of, of a place like that. Yeah, I mean, he's taught me. He, Coach Butterfield's taught me so much about the game, and 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 challenges me. And um, you know, the, the coolest thing about it when I got on board, and 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 got him to coach was he he had already he had already have knowledge of R four, and so changing a guy out of the West Coast offense, you know, he went through um, Coach Walsh, Coach Ty Willingham, and Denny Green. And he went through all three of those great coaches and, you know, all the, the stuff he learned from those guys. And, and he was still bought into R4. And so I think, you know, a guy that's, you know, you know, lived his life in the West Coast offense and is still down to work with R4 and, and grow from it was, uh, was a pretty cool thing and a 
testament of you know the 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 R four system. Definitely, man. It's awesome to to kind of have those those people. You know, you you said it a couple times. You know, your your mentor when you got your first job uh, in coaching, and then now to have a, a guy like Coach Butterfield to to kind of push you and, and maybe even you know keep you in check a little bit. To me, it just can't be overlooked as a coach. You know, to to have those good mentors. And then not only that, but to have buddies who, who push you and, and kind of share that growth mindset with you. Yeah, absolutely. You got to have that. Well, Coach, coming up on an hour, uh, and, and, you know, the, the last question I always like to ask people is, uh, when you're watching another team's offensive line, uh, what would be some things they'd be doing that would make you think highly of their offensive line coach? I mean, the, the first thing I – the first things I think of is De La Salle. Um, and just how hard they come off the ball and how quickly they come off the ball. Now, I will say, I, I don't think they're set. They got that rolling, the rolling start going on. They're not set for one second. It's actually funny. I, I talked to the referee before the game on Thursday when we were playing them. I was like, hey, I know you've heard this for 27 years, but they're not set. And he's all, yeah, you're right. I have heard that for 27 years. I was like, you've got to get me one early to slow them down. He's like, yeah, I'll probably get you one early. Well, come the game time, first drive, they go play action, flag goes up, and uh, they throw a touchdown, but they call it back. They, they called them on the rolling start. But they didn't blow the whistle before, which was weird, so it was super confusing. Huh. But, I mean, you know, it's, it, it, it's, it's feet and hands. It's working in unison on zone steps. It's, you know, double teams and, and coming, off, coming off onto your gap with a run through. I mean, we see all those things that, you know, the, the, the hips and hands and, and feet, you can just see it in, in certain guys and, and kick steps and, and different types of protections. I mean, I look at all that stuff and, and just, uh, you know, the line working in unison and, and communicating with their hands and talking, those are the, I think those are the biggest things that, that stand out to me. And that's going to do it for this episode of RTP. We want to again thank all of our sponsors. You guys, make sure and go check them out. Help grow our community by telling other coaches about Run the Power. And if you enjoy Running the Power, go get your shirt, long sleeve, or hoodie at runthepower.com. Also, if you have any topics or any questions you would like for us to discuss in the next podcast, simply rate our podcast and then leave a comment in the writer review section of the podcast app. This will help our podcast rating as well as it'll allow us to answer the questions you all want answered. Make sure and go check out our blog at runthepower.com. Follow me on Twitter at Harper underscore Coach and Coach Walls at Coach Brady Walls. Run the Power now also has its own Twitter and Instagram, and you can find that at Run the Power. Hope you guys enjoyed this one. Talk to you soon.